Be willing, Lord, to bear daily my cross for Thee, even Thy cup of grief to share. Thou hast borne all for me. I hope when we sing these songs that sometimes we take the opportunity to listen to the message. And uh, I love the old hymns. They're, they're tremendous songs. They stir the heart. They strengthen the faith. And uh, they are something that will allow us to worship Christ in a, in a godly and in a biblical way. And I thank the Lord for good music. Philippians chapter 3 this morning, if you will. Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul uh, was the last called apostle that we know of in Scripture. Um, The Lord Jesus Christ met him on the road to Damascus as he was going about trying to arrest those that had believed in the Lord and were Christians, and he would imprison them and he would beat them, and uh, sometimes they would even be put to death because of the efforts of the Apostle Paul. And he did all of this thinking that he was doing this because he loved God. And he thought he was doing God a favor. He thought he was serving God by doing this. And though he was sincere in what he was trying to accomplish, he was wrong. And I've heard some folks uh, in recent days even say, well, that person is very sincere, and I understand that. But it is possible to be sincere and to be sincerely wrong about some things. And the Apostle Paul certainly learned this. In fact, uh, I think that it's a very difficult thing. And if you have been saved any length of time at all from a life that you know was contrary to God, uh, you know how difficult it is from time to time to try to serve God knowing what you used to be. And could you imagine what Paul had to deal with? Here he is trying to be a called apostle to the Gentiles and to preach the Word of God without apology and without fear, with great boldness and with great power and might. And yet he knew what he used to be. He knew what he had done. And uh, he writes to the church at Philippi. In fact, it's interesting that the church at Philippi is the only church that Paul wrote a letter to where he had no condemnation for them. Uh, He doesn't uh, criticize them or give them a difficult time about things that they're doing wrongly. Uh, He commends them. He encourages them in the faith to be steadfast, to continue on in the things that they've been doing. And in chapter 2, he deals with the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth, took upon himself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of man. And he said, uh, and the Bible referred to the fact, and he, he wrote to the fact that Christ humbled himself, and became obedient unto death. Here's the eternal God who has been uh, made in the likeness of a servant and humbled himself to experience death. And Paul said, let this mind be in you, the mind of the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ. Within the context of the chapter, he goes on to speak of the humility of others besides the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, he uses chapter 2 to establish a sense of humility. And in chapter 3, he said, there are some of you that uh, are trying to uh, take credit for things and you're trying to be prideful. He said, if, if any of 
anybody has the right to be confident in the flesh. He said, I'm more so. From the life that Paul had lived, he, he lived a very, um, very great life as far as uh, his upbringing. He seems to be from a very wealthy family. Um, he had the best of education. He studied, the Bible said, at the feet of a man by the name of Gamaliel, who was the leading teacher of the day to the Jews, and um, had great, uh, great training. Uh, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And uh, uh, if you look in uh, verse number 4, he says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I am more. And he goes through a list in verse number 5, down through about verse number uh, 6, talking about uh, the things that, from the flesh side of things, and from the perspective of the unsaved of the Jewish nation in that day, he would appear to be uh, greatly commended before God. Uh, he could take great confidence in what he had done, or at least they, the, the society of that day would have thought so. And I want us to begin reading, if you will, in verse number 7. Verse number 7. He says, But the, what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but none, that I may win Christ. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that You would bless the message and speak to our hearts. Lord, we're living in a day where we need so much the wisdom and the truth of Your Word, not only to have a knowledge of it, but Lord, to apply it to our lives, to live it, to allow it to uh, pervade thoroughly through our lives, that we would be able to be pleasing to You, that we would live in such a way that we would not bring a reproach to the cause of Christ. I pray that You would guide and direct our steps as we look into this passage this morning and speak to hearts. May we understand the truth of it. And may Your Holy Spirit guide and direct us as we teach it. And may He do a work inwardly that uh, it is impossible for a man to do. And that is the stirring of the heart and the transforming work of Your truth. I pray that You would do such a work this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Apostle Paul made reference to all of these great things in life, and then he said, I count them all but loss, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His suffering. I remember as a kid growing up, from time to time, my dad would have some preachers come into our church, and they had been saved out of the world, if you will, and out of a lifestyle that was less than pristine. They had great testimonies. And I remember as a kid thinking, boy, I wish I could have a testimony like that. And uh, the truth is, uh, God had to save every one of us by dying on the cross. It didn't matter how bad your sin was or uh, how good of an upbringing you had. Every single one of us had sin that sent our Savior to the cross. And every single one of us had to have the same price paid for our sin. And every single one of us had to make the same choice to trust Christ as our Savior. I remember hearing some of these men that would come in, and we had at least two or three of them that I know of that had been very successful in worldly endeavors. One of them was a musician that had sung with uh, the likes of people like Elvis Presley and Johnny Cash and some of these guys that, from the world's perspective, had been 
uh, very successful. And this man was a rising star in the industry and had uh, been given some opportunities and was offered million dollars contracts for different things. And he made a statement I'll never forget. He said, when I got saved, I gave all that up. And a number of years later, I, that stuck with me. A number of years later, I was reading here in Philippians chapter 3. And I looked at what the Apostle Paul had. He had an awful lot. And he said, I, when I went after the Lord, he said, what gain, things were gained to me. Verse 7, he said, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord whom I have suffered the loss of all things, but I want you to notice this, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. The Apostle Paul understood something that I'm not sure we understand or we don't uh, oftentimes look at, and that is this, that whatever, whatever human loss there is, whatever worldly loss that there is, is far outshadowed by the gain that is given by the Lord Jesus Christ when we follow Him. I would look at this fellow and say that uh, he didn't give up anything. He gained an awful lot when he started following after the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know what he was trying to do as he was preaching. He's trying to make the point that it's worth it all. But the way that he said it made it sound like he almost hated the fact that he had to give up all of this in order to pursue after Christ. And that, boy, he had really had to pay a price in order to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The truth is... He gained so much more that it made whatever he had lost by this world pale in comparison. The Apostle Paul feels this way, and he says in verse number nine uh, that I, or in verse number eight, uh, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but done, that I may win Christ and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His suffering, being made conformable unto His death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. <coughs> Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We have read this passage many times. A lot of people can quote a lot of this. But I was uh, thinking and praying about some things this week, not only in my life, but in the lives of some of my family. And uh, I began thinking about how at this time of year so many people make the Bible or the, the world calls them New Year's resolutions. You ever notice that? Uh, why we wait till January 1st rolls around to make changes of, for the better in our life, I don't know, but uh, it seems to be something that we tend to do. And um, I got thinking about decisions that people make. And these are usually not the first time they've made the decision. There are times that they're saying, I'm going to, I'm going to rededicate myself to this task. And they, they list them. And out of the, the New Year's resolutions that are out there, does anybody know what the number one New Year's resolution is? Anybody? Take a guess. Weight loss. Wow, isn't that amazing? We don't even have to think about that one, do we? 
I'm going to lose some weight. Number one, yeah, and the next one is, is probably just about as good. And, and the second uh, most prevalent one is I'm going to get organized. And, boy, we can all relate to that. Boy, I'm going to organize. And we get all of our organization stuff out, and we get everything laid out. We get our planners and our notebooks, and we get our, our uh, bins, and we start labeling, and we buy labels and storage things. And uh, we go to town on organizing. And by February, we couldn't find anything if we had to find it. That's the second one. And the third one is that I'm going to save more money this year or spend less. I'm going to do better financially this year. The fourth one, out of the top four, I'm going to spend more time with family and friends. And these are noble things. These are things I don't think are bad to, to try to decide on. But I think so often, especially this time of the year, when we're trying to think of some things that we want to rededicate or recommit our lives to, why is it that so often very little consideration is given to the spiritual side of things in our lives? The Apostle Paul here, I believe, deals with some things to the church at Philippi that by way of encouragement, by way of um, uh, trying to, to fortify them and strengthen them and to edify them. And there are several things that he speaks about here as we get to verse number, uh, verse number 13. And, I'm sorry, verse number 14. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And there are several things I want us to look at here very quickly. First of all, there, there is a mark. Uh, Paul speaks of it here. He says, I press toward the mark. We read that and uh, we, we wonder, okay, we wonder what the mark is. Now, we know we're, what we get if we achieve the mark, and that is we get the prize. But what is the mark? I was, I was listening to a preacher preach one time, and he was preaching on this passage, and he said, the mark is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, to be like Him. But, and I think there's some, there's some truth to that. But I want us to look at what the Apostle Paul speaks about here. Uh, he refers to, in verse number 10, as he begins this, this discourse or this dialogue that, that leads into this concept, he says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. I think these are the things that Paul was striving for. I believe these were the things that he refers to here as the mark. That I may know Him first and foremost, that I may know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would urge us and challenge us that if there's any kind of recommitting that we do this time of year, if there's any kind of soul-searching or self-evaluation that we do this year, I would say this, that I think the top of the list, the very highest priority we ought to give, is our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, our personal walk with Him. There ought to be a dedication. There ought to be a consecration to it. And I will say it this way. I'm not saying, although this is, this is true, uh, across the board, I, I was listening to somebody the other day who had done a, a survey, and they found that out of those that profess to be Christians, that have trusted Christ as their Savior, those that would say, I read my Bible and pray on a regular basis was 4%. And we're not talking about out of society, we're talking about out of those that say, I'm a Christian, I've trusted Christ as my Savior. But even if, we're one of those 4% that go through and we read our Bible and we pray every day. Have you ever noticed this, that there are times that we can just go through the motion of it? That we're not gaining anything from our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. We look at it as our duty to read a Scripture and to read a passage. We look at it as a set period of time that we're supposed to be praying. 
And there's very little fellowship, there's very little time that we spend with God in His Word and in prayer. And it is possible to read the Bible for the sake of checking off your Bible reading schedule. And it is possible to go through such a routine set of praying that we really are not speaking with God at all. We're just simply reciting something that we've done over and over again. Can I encourage us in this, that one of the greatest things we ought to reconsider to consecrate ourselves and to rededicate our lives to this year ought to be our walk with God. Out of everything that the Christian has, I believe our walk with God is the greatest priority that we need to be given it. I believe that even before our service to the Lord, our personal relationship with Him must take precedence. Our personal walk with Him must take precedence. I am all for telling someone the gospel story, and I think we ought to rededicate ourselves to that, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. But I believe before everything, our walk with God ought to be focused on. I think it would be a wonderful thing if this time of year we'd sit down and take a self-inventory. Lord, how is my walk with You? How is my time spent with You, my relationship with You? Paul said this, I press toward the mark. What, what are you trying to do, Paul? He says, that I may know Him. Then I want you to notice, secondly, he says, and the power of His resurrection. You know, it's amazing to me how oftentimes we, as Christians, hold to the truth of the Word of God, but we have very little boldness. We have very little little uh, behind us that motivates us in our area of service. And yet the Bible tells us, and the Lord Jesus Christ, we read it even this morning in Matthew chapter 8, as He commissions His disciples to go into all the world and to preach the gospel and to baptize them and to teach them all things whatsoever He had commanded them. And then He makes this promise. He says, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so many times I think we begin to serve the Lord without His power. It's interesting to me that when the Lord Jesus Christ told His disciples that as He was getting ready to go uh, into heaven, He's uh, getting ready to ascend into heaven, and He's commissioning His disciples, and He teaches them, and He says, I want you to go, I want you to, uh, to preach, I want you to teach, I want you to baptize, I want you to make sure you get uh, this message out and around. But He says, but tarry ye in Jerusalem until ye be endued with power, from on high. In Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8, he says, And ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the, uh, of the world. And, and there was a, an idea and a sense that uh, the Holy Spirit of God enables and empowers the believer that is walking with God, that is pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ, that is feasting on, and the Bible refers to it in the book of Colossians, as letting the Word of God dwell in us richly with all wisdom, that there is a power that comes from that. There is a strength that comes from that. There is a, there is a holy boldness that comes from that, that, that instills us to, to go out and motivates us to serve and to share the gospel with others. There's a sense that the Holy Spirit of God, His presence as we go and teach and we preach the Word of God to other people, that He goes before us and prepares the hearts. And He speaks internally to the heart of men saying, this is truth, this is right, and He draws them to a point of believing it and trusting it. And Paul said that I may know Him 
and the power of His resurrection, this power that the Lord Jesus Christ has that is given to us, that allows us to be able to have this same idea. The fact that we're saved and on our way to heaven, we get the same opportunity to be raised from the dead one of these days because of the salvation that we have. And we are supposed to go forth in that power and to preach and to teach the Word of God. The same strength, the same power, the same might. And then he says this, and to know the, uh, in verse number uh, 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. I don't know if I like this one as much. I don't know if I want to fellowship with the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the truth is, the Bible says that they have hated me, they're going to hate you. He said, and yea, all that shall live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There's going to come a point and an opportunity that if we are walking with God the way that we should, if we're going forth and serving in the might and the power and the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's going to have to be some suffering along the way. Paul said, I'm pressing for this. He said in verse 8, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but done, that I may win Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him, the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His suffering, being made conformable unto His death. There is a mark that Paul speaks of here. I want you to notice also there's a high calling that Paul speaks of here. Look with me in verse number 11. The Bible says, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Jesus Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is this high calling of God? If we look in verse number 11 and 12, he makes this statement in verse 12, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. So Paul understands he's not perfect. The truth is, as we go through this life, we realize that we fail God. In fact, Paul understood he had not yet attained perfection. Does that mean then that Paul can just live his life the way that he wants to? I, I'm not perfect. I'll never be perfect this side of heaven. So what's the use? Is that what Paul said? No, he had a calling of God on his life. And notice what the calling is in verse number 12. He says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but, notice this, I follow after. I follow after. What is my calling in life? To follow after. Well, you're not perfect, Pastor. Doesn't matter, I'm still going to follow after. Well, you haven't attained. You're not there yet. It doesn't matter. I'm going to follow after. Why? Because God called me to. God has put a calling on my life that I am to live for Him. And Paul said, it doesn't matter that I've not yet attained. It doesn't matter that I'm not yet perfect. He said, I follow after. I follow after. You're not going to be perfect this side of heaven. You're not going to get to that place of attaining perfection. But that does not mean that we sit back and say, then what's the use? There needs to be a pressing. There needs to be something that we move for. We find that there is a high calling that God gives us. 
And then I want you to notice that there's also a prize that he speaks of here. Verse number 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is the prize? Paul's saying, look, I've not attained, I'm not perfect, but I'm going to follow after. I'm going to press. I'm going to pursue the high calling that God has put on my life. I'm going to keep after it. Why, Paul? Because there's a prize. What's the prize? I think the prize is twofold. The Bible speaks of here one of them in this passage, and we'll look at another one. But look in verse number 8 with me, if you will. Paul said this, Yea, doubtless, I, and I count, them all, count all things but loss for the excellency, notice this, of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dumb, that I may win Christ. That's the prize. To stand one day before the Lord Jesus Christ and to hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. To be found in Him, in verse number 9, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. In verse number 10, He says that I may know Him. The knowledge of God. To be able to walk with Him and to talk with Him. The book of Hebrews says that we have the opportunity now to come boldly to the throne of grace and to find help and strength in the time of trouble. Look in uh, verse number uh, chapter Second uh, uh, Timothy chapter number four. Turn over to Second Timothy chapter four and let's look at one of these prizes that the Bible speaks of. Paul said, "I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God." Not perfect, but I'm going to follow after. I'm going to keep on doing it. I want to see what the prize is that he was going after. Let's see, 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Let's look in verse number 8. In fact, I'm going to back up to verse number 6. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. He's speaking here of his upcoming death. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth. And that word is just pointing to verse 7. Because of verse number 7, he says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which my Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that, what? Love his appearing. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Can I tell you this? That is the result of Paul saying in verse number 12, I follow after. I'm not perfect. I haven't made perfection yet. But I'm pressing. I'm following after. And there is because of this, because of this, I have finished my course. I have run my race. I have kept the faith. He said, because of this, there is a laid up for me a crown of righteousness. There's a mark that we're to pursue. There's a high calling of God that we're to be faithful to. There is a prize to be won. And then I want you to notice, fourthly, there is a choice to be made. There's a choice to be made. Let's look in verse number 13 for a moment. 
Paul said this, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now, I'm going to stop right there for a moment because there are two things Paul mentions here. He said there are the things that are behind, the things I did before. And then he mentions the fact that there are some things that are yet to come that I can reach for. And they're not the same. In fact, I'm going to forget about these so that I can pursue these. Can I tell you this, that Paul had made his choice to forget those things which were behind and to press for those things which are before, to reach for those things which were before. If you can understand and imagine this for a moment, what the Apostle Paul must have been uh, having happen in his heart and in his mind as he served the Lord. To have Satan throw up at him, or to have people in his critics throw up at him, well, you used to be the one who arrested people. Is this not Saul of Tarsus? Is this not the one who would arrest the, the Christians? Is this not the one who would have them beaten, have them uh, uh, stoned to death? Is this not the same Paul? In fact, when he first started going around, the apostles and those in Jerusalem, you know, they were afraid of him. And I can tell you this, that I don't think it was an easy road for the Apostle Paul to do and to be obedient to what God had for him in the future because it was difficult for him as he battled the things he knew he had done in his past. And that past was there. It was always going to follow him. And Paul had a choice to make. I can either live in my past and continue in those things, or I can put them behind me and say, from this day forward, I'm going to move forward to the things of the Lord. I can press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And the same choice that Paul had is the same choice that you and I have today. You've got a choice to make. Am I going to continue my old life or am I going to press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? There are three things here I think that are very important for us to understand. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 8, three things were given. We need to fight a good fight. If we're going to press toward the mark, we need to fight a good fight. We need to stay faithful. We need to be steadfast. The second thing is we need to finish our course. I have several men in ministry that I look up to and have been a great encouragement to me over the years. I try to share that with them regularly, that they have been a great influence on my life and a great encouragement to me. Some of them are twice my age. And as I get older, I can say that, I guess none of them are twice my age. I'd be 104. But some of them are quite a bit older than me. Let's put it that way. They're quite a bit older than me. And I'm not saying that necessarily we agree in every aspect and every point of Scripture. But I would say this. They have finished well. And that is a tremendous blessing. In the day that we live where we see men compromising in preachers and churches that are falling by the wayside and going after the things of this world, to see men that will dig their heels in and say, I'm going to be steadfast. And they withstand the pressure. And they withstand the enticement. And they withstand the criticism of the world. And they say, we would rather obey God rather than men. 
We need to fight a good fight. We need to make sure that we finish our course. We need to finish our course. I'm saying we need to make sure that we dedicate our lives to being steadfast in every aspect. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to falter. I'm not going to faint. And if I fall, I'm going to get up and dust myself off and press some more. And if I fall again, I'm going to get up and dust myself again and press some more. Why? Because I've got a course to finish. And it's not going to be the easiest thing. In fact, there's going to be the world that comes after us and tries to dissuade us and discourage us from doing it. Satan's going to come along and he's going to do everything he can to entice us, to pressure us, to cause persecution to come our way. And I hate to say it, but in the day we live, even in our religious circles, there is criticism and persecution that comes our way. Can I urge you in this? Finish your course. Remain steadfast. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. And then he said this, I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. There are times in our lives where we are brought very low. And there are temptations. There are thoughts on our heart. Is it even worth this? I remember a point in my life where the thought came, Lord, if this is what serving you is going to be and and Christianity is all about, I don't know if I want to do it anymore. It's just too hard. It hurts. There have been others that I've talked to. And there are two responses to this every time we get to a place like this. There are those that get bitter and angry and hurt and upset. And they turn from the things of the Lord and they begin to live their life the way they used to. They turn back to the old way. They turn back to the past. Or there are those that will flee to the Lord Jesus Christ and cling to Him as their only source of strength and stability to get through it. There are some that I've knocked on their doors and I've visited with them and they used to say, well, I used to go to church. I went to one man's house down in Port St. Lucie, Florida. I'll never forget, knocked on his door was talking to him about church. He said, yeah, I used to go to church. He said, my dad was a preacher. He said, the truth is, he said, I went to Bible college and was going to be a preacher. He said, I graduated, finished. And I said, what happened? And he shared with me a story, something that hurt him really deeply. He said, I didn't want any more of it. And I thought, how sad. How sad. That Christ, who is our strength, was was discarded, was thrown away. Paul said, I've got this prize that I've been pressing toward. He said, this prize that I'm getting, he said, it's because I've fought a good fight. I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. I think there's going to be several people probably, if not most of us in this room, that at some point, if we haven't already in the next week or so, we're going to sit down and we're going to write some goals for the new year. 
We may call them New Year's resolutions or we may call them uh, uh, things we want to try to do this year. Whatever it is that you call them, there's going to be some things that we're going to set before us. Can I urge us in this thing of our spiritual condition that we press toward the mark? That we look into our lives and say, Lord, how well am I succeeding at fighting a good fight? How well am I succeeding at finishing my course? Am I steadfast? How well am I succeeding at keeping the faith? And if there are any commitments that need to be recommitted to, there are any things in our lives that we need to say, I'm going to try it again. I'll be real frank with you. I've many times said I'm going to lose some weight. I think there's others around here that can relate to that. There are several times in my life I've said I'm going to save my money and I'm going to do better financially. And I keep coming back and saying I'm going, I'm going to recommit to that again. I'm going to redouble my efforts. I'm going to put more effort to it. I've allowed that to drift a little bit. But how often do we look at our spiritual life and say, that is lacking. I need to recommit it to the Lord. I need to make sure that I am diligent in this thing, that I am fervent in this thing, that I am committed to it. The Christian life is not a one-time decision and then all is well. In fact, if you say, well, Pastor, I don't think you should have to come back and recommit things to the Lord uh, often. You ought to just take the one-time commitment. Uh, the Apostle Paul said he had to bring his body into subjection every day. Paul said he had to bring his thoughts into captivity every day. In fact, Paul said, I have to buffet this old flesh, this body. He said, because the things that I know I should be doing, he said, I don't always do them. He said, the things I know I'm supposed to do, I don't do, and the things I'm not supposed to do, he said, I find myself doing them. And he made this statement, and I think we can all relate to it. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I think there are times that we need to come to our, our, our time with the Lord, our, our quiet time, and say, Lord, I need to recommit some things to you. I want to fight a good fight. I want to finish my course, and I want to keep the faith, and I want to be steadfast. I, I want to hear those words when I get to heaven one day, well done, well done. You say, well, Pastor, you're not perfect. Well, Paul wasn't either. But he said, I'm going to follow after. I'm going to keep on keeping on. And every single one of us that are sitting here today have a choice. We're either going to continue in the things that have been in our past, or we're going to say, no, I want to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to commit myself to that. You've got a choice. Some of you may be seeing your day say, well, I've already made that choice, and I'm thankful for that. I hope you have. But how well is that choice going? Are there some things we need to look at and say, Lord, I need to recommit those to you? I've allowed some of that to slip. I've allowed some of that to go by the wayside, and I'm not as diligent in that as I should be. Oh, that we would learn to forget those things which are behind and to press for those things which are before us.
Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed. Father, the message is a very simple one this morning, and that is that we need to look into our own hearts and our own lives and find out, are there some areas that we need to recommit? Are there some areas that we need to say, Lord, I need to work harder on? I need to be more dedicated. I need to be more consecrated in them. Are there some recommitments that need to be made, some strengthening, some undergirding of some decisions?